I enjoy it. I enjoy it. I don't know about you. I enjoy church. I don't, you know, I love that scripture, one, Psalms 122. One, it says, I was glad when they said, let's go in the house of the Lord. That's amazing. I don't know about you. Sunday's an amazing day. I don't care what happens on Sunday, but when we get to come here and we worship God together, it's such an amazing time. And just seeing what God's doing through our lives every day and every week. And if you've been coming for a while, we spent the last three weeks. It's our third week. We're going to close out our series, We Are. And we came last two weeks ago. We saw We Are Diverse. And you looked around and said, We are diverse. Well, we're all generationally, ethnic, and culturally. We're grown in our cultural uh, uh, um, diversity. We got people from the Philippines going to discipleship groups. I'm excited about that. And they already come forward from Sweetwater to come here to uh, go to church. Isn't that amazing? God's amazing. Then uh, we talked about devotion, about the devoted to the word, the prayer, um, fellowship. And we've been having some great fellowships. We had a great fellowship yesterday in our park. If you didn't make it, I'm sorry. Uh, it was an amazing time. Good food, pulled pork, uh, brisket. It was awesome. And they had some awesome music. We had a little Motown, some old school. Some of y'all know what Motown is. You can Google that. It's Motown still around. And it was an amazing time. And just fellowshipping with new people and hanging out in the park. And God gave us the cloud cover so it wasn't so hot. Praise God. But today we're going to talk about who we are. Very call who we are. We are disciples. Grace Point Church, we are disciples. They say, I am a disciple. We are disciples. Now, what do disciples do? We follow Jesus and help others follow him. We follow Jesus, and we help others follow him. Now, here's the thing. Is it difficult in today's life? Yes. Is it complicated? No. And my job today is to uncomplicate discipleship. Tell you, not, it's not a mentoring program. It's not to view be smarter than everyone else. It's about you following Jesus and you helping someone else follow Jesus. In our life here, we want you to stay one chapter ahead of the person you're discipling. But you got to make sure when you disciple people, you use the Bible. Don't use your wit. Don't use your wisdom. Use the Bible. Use what God said. So when we talk about that. And where we're going to go, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 to 22. And while you got your finger there, one of the things I learned about in, in life the last words of someone is the most important. And Jesus said something amazingly before he went up to be with the Father after he spent three years with raising up 12 guys to be disciples and, and carry this gospel beyond him. And he said this in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, which we, this is what we call our anthem of Grace Point Church. He said this in verse 19. He said, he said to him, follow me and I'll make you, I'm sorry, I got the wrong scripture. Here we go. Now, he said in 18, Jesus came and said to him, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, everyone say go. Therefore, and make disciples in all the nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And then he took off. His last words are very important, especially the word go. And Jesus' last word, he said, if you're ever worried about what God wants you to do, Go back to his last words for you. He said, go, make disciples. He didn't pick that for pastors. He picked that for everybody. Make sense? So we're going to look at the model of how Jesus made disciples. Now you can go to Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 to 22. And you have, if you have it there, you, can get, you have your finger there. We're going to read it. It says, while he was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you 
fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two brothers, two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. Because those, those guys were the sons of thunder. I, got, I, can't, I don't have time to unpack it for you. You just got to read your Bible. He said, John, his brother, in the boat was Zebedee, his father, mending their nets. And he said, he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Difficult? Yes. Complicated? No. When Jesus calls us as a people, we talked about last week, when you said, now Jesus is my Savior and Lord, we said a new life starts. So when Jesus calls people, he calls them into a life, a journey of discipleship. If Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you're called to make disciples, not the professionals. Now, my professional job is to ministrate the church. But as a disciple, I'm supposed to dis- make I'm supposed to make disciples. Make sense. So I spend a lot of my time making disciples and raising up new leaders. That's why I spend a majority of my time. So he said when he calls, he calls them, you, to a life of discipleship. Now we're going unbunk- to debunk what discipleship is because we got it kind of confused in America. We don't know what the word go means. In fact, we'll start a whole Bible series for 12 months to go over the word go. When I grew up, when your parents said go outside or go take out the trash, I knew exactly what they meant, right? Go take out the trash. If you don't take out the trash, life will not be good for you. Can I get an amen? So when Jesus, when God says go, which I heard this week on Hart and Simmons, everything that Jesus, uh, God wants us to do, he wrote it. There was no words, there's no ways of interpretation of the word go. It means it's two-thirds of the word God. It means Go. Remember? G-O. All you got to do is D. D is for discipleship. Go, disciples, go. And he told the 12 guys, this is what I want you to do. And he tells us, this is what I want you to do. Now, when we look at this passage, we see three primary aspects of discipleship. The first one is discipleship is the call to follow Jesus. Well, that was hard. No, follow Jesus. He said in 19a, he said to him, follow me, I love Jesus' words. You didn't get complicated. Follow me. I mean, when he called me, Rich, follow me. Been doing it ever since. Follow me. But you look in Mark chapter 3, 13, Jesus had a way of us following him, which we miss, especially in the Western society we're in. Mark 3, 13 says this. He pointed 12. Now, you got to know the 12 they picked whom he also called apostles. Now, the word apostle means ones who are sent. So Jesus always got this thing about going somewhere. So they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach. That's a model. To be with him first, hang out with him, and then I'll teach you and send you out. I'll make you into something when we hang out. A lot of times we read it, Send me out to preach. Now, the word preach, we get caught up. They, you think what I'm, what I'm doing is preaching. But the word preach means this, talking. How many have a job? Is everyone on your job saved? Do you talk to them about Jesus? That's what the word preach means. Model and say it. Talk to them. 
That's preaching. That's all it is. That's when he means that word preach. Talk. Model. Say something to them. Make sense? Y'all looking at me like, I don't even do that. I know. I know. But you will. This is over. We miss the, we miss the moment sometimes. See, he said to be with me, which means relationship. Everybody say relationship. See, it's not religion. It's relationship. If your life is built around religion, that's a boring life. Right? If it's about relationship, that's vibrant. Jesus is fun. He had to be fun to raise those 12 guys. He had to have a sense of humor. Like I said, the thunder, thunder. One time he said, don't go into Samaria. If you go into Samaria, they're going to reject it. And then people reject him. He said, and they say, these guys, you know, the two sons of Zebedee said this. Hey, guess what? Um, why don't we call fire from heaven and destroy these people? What, a, what an evangelism strategy. And he said, no, you don't understand. You, you still got to go back in the oven. They didn't get it. But he didn't care if they got it. He just wanted to make sure that he got, they got him. When I say your discipleship, your relationship has to be anchored in God. Listen to me. Not anchored in your own opinion. Because you don't want to add to or take away what the Bible says. And you can't feel your way out of it. You can't even say it's not my personality. It is your personality because that's why he told us to do it. You do it your own way. You might speak a different way. You have a gift to do it a different way, but you got to do it. And it's fun to do it because it's nothing like stumbling over something and Jesus gets the glory for it. So he says we're just jaws of clay with the glory of God in each and every one of us. We even can't even take credit for it. We had a guy who used to come to this church. His first thing on evangelism, his name was uh, Cowboy. I think, I think you remember him, Cowboy. Cowboy would go to the base and say, hey, you got to get the ghost. You got to get the ghost. They didn't know what he was talking He said, you got to come to my church and get the ghost. You know what happened? People came to his church because he said, you got to get the ghost. He didn't know what he was saying, but he was evangelism, evangelizing. Just you got to come to you got to come at that time to Crosswords Church to get the ghost. So people show up, say, we're here to get the ghost. And they got the gospel. See how he, God used them? Get the ghost. And some of y'all do need to get the ghost. I'm looking at your faces. He's been missing in your life for a long time. Amen? That's funny. That's on my check. Maybe at the 1045 would be funny. <laughs> I don't know. What do I know? See, let me write this down, put this down for you. It's possible and common to be a good church member or have a form of belief and not really follow Jesus. It's possible. Come to church, check the box, come to service, have a form of belief, but not really following Jesus. Following Jesus is adventurous. It really is. Because I can tell, I can, you can point out every person here on this staff, this is not the direction they were going in. None of it. This is not what I was going to do. I was going to be in Fort Worth working for Lockheed, doing a great work, I thought. Even got a business degree. And you guys said, that ain't going to work. That's a lot of money. Now what? And he waited six months before he told me what? It's nothing like when you ask your wife, ask her, where are we going? And you don't say, I don't know. Ever guys, guys, you ever said that? I don't know. <laughs> you know, I don't know is the safest answer there is. It really is. I don't know. In fact, the older I get, the lot I don't know. So when you look at it, it said to follow Jesus. Second one is, which is amazing, discipleships are called the fish for the lost. 
to fish. First is to follow and to fish. And when we look at 19b, I will make you fishers of men. Now, when we're following Jesus, that doesn't mean that we disconnect from those who are lost and those who are unbelievers. You don't disconnect and become in this little bubble, just me and Jesus and no one else. Don't let them in. That's preservation, not projecting the gospel. We don't preserve ourselves. We want to project ourselves. And you know, you have, all of us know, we have friends that don't know, the, don't know the God. We know them. They're the ones that get on our nerves. And you ask God, God, will you just take them out of this office? And God comes back and you don't want to hear it. You are the answer to that person. You ever hear that? God, I need you to, and he looked back and he said, you are it. So making a disciple doesn't matter where you are on campus and anywhere else. But look at, look at how this one, this is a model here, Matthew 9, 9 through 10. So Jesus passed on from there. He saw a man named Matthew sitting in a tax booth. He said to him, again, follow me. He rose and followed him, and as Jesus reclined at the table, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and reclined with Jesus and his disciples. Now, you got to realize, tax collectors back in those days were declared traitors from the Jews. They worked for the Romans. And they rip off fishermen. What a crew. Calls Matthew. See, you had sinners. Everyone says sinners. See, that was a classification all by itself. Then you had the tax collectors. They had their own name. He said, and they they said, the Pharisees, you're sitting there with sinners, and not only sinners, man, you're sitting there with tax collectors. Those guys are the devil. What a crew. Now, these guys are supposed to walk together for three years. Peter, from northern Jerusalem, probably said, that brother steals from me all the time because they always collect more than what's worth. If your taxes were $2, they collected $10. So you figure, as one, as one of my pastors said this, I think Matthew must have slept uh, a whole year with one eye open in case he got shanked. <laughs> so when we talk about diversity, you ought to, oh, my gosh, you ought to just get your Bible up and read where these cats came from. The zealot, Simon the zealot, his job was to overthrow the government, and I'm not talking about peacefully. And he would have overthrew Matthew real quick. Just let me shank him. Then let me shake him. And then he got the sons of thunder. Just let's burn them all up. Let's burn them all up. And Jesus said, this is my crew. Yeah, he said, you know what this is? This is my church. This is my three-year church. And he said, you are the ones, you ordinary, insignificant guys are going to change the world. So if you're working more hard to get a degree on being a disciple, stop it. They were ordinary. God uses the ordinary, insignificant people to do extraordinary things. You know why he picked fishermen? Because they don't quit. They don't know how to quit. That's why he picked them. They're hardworking. They go out. They catch nothing. They come back. They go out again. And they go out again. And they wait until they catch something. And they don't quit. That's why he got them. That's why they don't quit. And he said, you are the same way. We don't quit either. So 
But Matthew, he was cool. Know what he did? He said, I know Jesus, so I'm going to bring my friends to my house, and we're going to have some pulled pork. And, well, we can't have pulled. Those are Jews, right? I'm sorry, man. <laughs> Kosher Coach, bacon or something. We maybe had a little brisket, a little potato salad, little beans with that. Oh, that was some good beef in that bean. Some, some serious cake. And I'm going to invite Jesus over. That's how you fish. You know how fishermen do? They take a net. You take two select. You do it together. Like me and Dave are going to have a party. Me, David, Pastor, Pastor John, his wife, my wife, uh, LJ and Karthik, we come together and we bring people together into the house. And we put on some jazz music. And then we really mess people up when I say, that's my daughter. And they look at, and then before they eat, they look at us the whole time. <laughs> I don't know. I think, I say, and I always ask him, is it about the hair? Is that what you're talking about? And you don't bring the guy who prays down heaven when you have lost people in your house. Jesus, don't do that. I love that movie, uh, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> Jesus, don't do that. Just pray. Well, what are we doing? We're evangelizing. They saying, you know what they were saying? Hey, Christians have fun. Christians are real people. Yes, with the truth. Not like this. Sit down. Stop it. What? Really? You ever been like that? Oh, y'all so rigid sometimes you might break. The wind blows on you. When I got born again, what happened was, to me, I, had, uh, I got so excited. I was in Okinawa, Japan, June 1992. And we were into holiness. So I used to have all these jazz albums and all these jazz. And I love jazz. I'm a, I'm a product of jazz. And I took all, and I saw that guy. And I took all my jazz music and threw it out and threw all my soul music out, threw my Motown. I know, right? Y'all like, oh, my gosh. Threw it all out for Jesus. And I'm not going to do this. And then me and Ms. Donna sat in the house one day and said, we have become two boring people. We're so religious, we don't have nothing to do. No one wants to hang around us. So rigid. And you know what I did? I'm so glad CDs came back online. And now if you would listen to my library come to church, y'all like, you listening on the way in, you better believe it. I got to get pumped. I got to get pumped before I come here. That's it. I'm listening to a little Anthony Evans. It's a song I love, The Creed. I love that song. And I'll throw up a little, um, uh, um, gosh, a little of the, um, ah, I lost it. That means it was not important. <laughs> and I put all this different music, and I'm vomiting it. Doom, do 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 Going to preach today? Yeah. All right. You know what I'm saying? I got I to get going, you know. Put, put a little Phil Collins in there, something that happened on the way to heaven. Y'all never heard this, right? It's the, I am so unholy, right? I know. Yeah. I know. Something happened on the way, that big band sound, boom, boom, boom. I'm, I'm kicking it then. So I put a little Matt Kearney on there, and Matt Kearney's amazing. And he's like, Pastor Rich, you're crazy. Yeah, I am. But that's worship to me. It's worship to me because I hear the words. But I want us to be, it's not about being really relevant. It's about being normal. You want to be normal? You don't want to bring your friend to the one that looks up and up and down. You have a demon in you. So do you. So do you. We all do. That's why it's a lifelong journey. We all got the demons. Make sense? All right. Now, <laughs> last one here. 
First one's family. I mean, first one is follow. Second one is the fish with a net. Third one is family. It's a call to spiritual family. Everyone wants to be spiritual family. It's a call to us hanging out. Okay? I love Matthew 12, 50. It's amazing. It says this. Someone said to him, Behold, your mother, your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak to you. But Jesus answered one of them, tell, telling him, said, and said, Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Stretching out his hand toward his disciples, Behold, my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father, who's in heaven, who all we have, the new, the new father, is my brother, sister, and mother. He broke tradition. In those days, family was very important. And he broke it. He said, who are my brothers and sisters? Those who do the will of my father in heaven. See, when we got born again to a new life and a new family, new society, we have a all one, we share one father. So who is my brothers and sisters? You guys. And when you start living this life, you'll discover, because you see in the very beginning, Matthew and, uh, not Matthew, yeah, Matthew, not Matthew, uh, Peter and his brothers, they left their own biological family and attached to spiritual family. And you'll realize some things. Your natural family will not do a lot of things that your the spiritual family will do. That's what he says. Which is amazing. So all three, those three things, follow fish and family, brings it up into one word. Discipleship is relationship. Relationship with who? Relationship with God, the relationship with the lost, and the relationship with one another. Three key relationships. Discipleship's relationships. That's all it is. And when you come to our church, that's the language we use when we try to get you in a discipleship group. When we try to, let's, hey, can we meet and get some coffee together and let's discuss Jesus together? Now, the hardest thing for us as individuals, because we live in this world about no one's going to tell me what to do. Here, the disciple don't tell you what to do. He just tells you what Jesus told you you should do. Always, I ask people, when they, you go ahead, don't give them advice. You give them the Bible. When I got disciple in Okinawa in January, June 1992, my disciple guy was a Navy guy, and he was rigid. I get the Bible. I call Brother Paul. I need to know something. He said, Rich, get wisdom and get understanding. Rich, get wisdom. And I said, I know Paul, but tell me. He said, that word that you're dealing with, Go to the back of your Bible, worship, look it up, read all the scriptures on worship, and then we'll have an intelligent conversation. What was he teaching me? To rely on what God said, not what he said. When we talk about discipleship, I'm going to share what God says. When the, when the insurance company asks me, do you guys give counsel? No, we give discipleship. Because counseling... It's just a bunch of facts that are subject to change. Discipleship, God's word, never changes. And as you hear some um, environments we talk about, our main vehicle here for discipleship in GPC is discipleship groups. Show you a couple pictures. 
This is my group. This is a boomer group. That's the main, main group, the anchor group of the, of, the, of the church. That's right, the main group. They know how to cook. If they didn't know how to cook, y'all would not be eating good. Next group. That's the Gen Xers. This is my brother from another mother with the beard, looking like Jesus. Look, and look at the diversity. What are they doing? They're sitting around the table. You know what they're doing? What we talked about. Hearing the word, getting application, praying for one another, and then meetings kick off after that. Some of the things you're hearing about a, a, a ladies' um, group or a, a book club kicked off from a, a discipleship group. Why? What happens? Discipleship starts to take place. And was not, it's not ordained by our powers, by God, the power of God. And you see on either side of you, you have one of these. These are one of your first steps. You can go out to the table and sign up, but you can hit this thing here and register for a group. We have eight adult groups and ten campus groups. And we went from seven to 18 quickly. And more are coming because I have to take my group. I got to multiply that out in January. It's my second multiplication. We had another group multiply three groups out of that. Why? Because we want to make disciples. Jesus, and there's one-on-one -on -one opportunities. Jesus had one-on-one. -on -one, he had one-on-three, and he had the 12. And I do three groups a week because I want to raise up future uh, deacons, elders, and church planners. That's what I want to do. How you do that? By discipleship. Next thing, next step. I'm going to finish. You have these cards, guys, hand these cards out. Sometimes you see the slide on there and say, what is that you're talking about, next steps? Pastor Rich, what is next steps? Next step is our discipleship process to get you in the game. And it's a four-step thing. Because we want you to be fully functional disciples who can make disciples. And where does it start? On that big area so we can grow smaller. You see that first one there? We even got hand signs. I love it. Get engaged. And you see everything on that. You can check out a discipleship group. Get established. That's in community and biblical foundations. When you talk about foundations, we want you to be foundationally strong. Next one is get equipped. We want to equip you to make disciples. We want to train you on how to share your faith on your, in your neighborhood, share your faith on your job, share your faith on your campus. We want to help you do that in a way that's amazing, and you'll be surprised how easy it is. And the last one is to be empowered. Serve and lead, but also you run a discipleship group, and you start making disciples and planting them out. That's the steps. Group life in the heart of church, next steps. You come tonight, I'll tell you how many people have been to the next steps and through discipleship, how God has blessed his church. You'll be surprised. We started at 4 o'clock in our vision meeting. But I'm going to close in prayer. I'm going to ask you this one question. It's like engaging, establishing, equipping, and empowering. What step do you need to make? We're not, we're not, we're okay, but I don't really count Sunday morning as a big step. 
Most of my counting happens outside these walls. What's happening in the discipleship group? How many people are getting discipled? What's happening in our next steps? How about you? You've been coming a while and you're just on the outside and you're called to make disciples? What stopped you? Let's all stand. <clears throat> and you respond to God through worship. If you want to hang around the second service, we're going to watch your dad baptize his daughter in the name of discipleship. I'm excited about that. That's what it's about. People say, that's unusual, Pastor Rich. You're not going to do it? I said, no. The main disciple in her family is her father. Not me. The father. All dads are disciple makers. All dads are pastors. You got to get the word and share it with your family. But you got to help your family get involved in the word. Father, I thank you this morning. We thank you, Lord. You are the way maker. Father, I pray for every obstacle, every excuse of why we can't make disciples being run away right now, being removed from our midst this morning. Father, we thank you. We trust you. We bless you. By your holy name, amen.